Welcome, dear listener, to Fear from the Heartland. I'm your host, Paul J. McSorley. Set aside some moments now and take an adventurous ride on a journey into the psyche of some talented writers. They will dig into your being and titillate you. Oh, I love that word, titillate. While the stories may not all take place in the heartland, I am delivering them to you from the heartland. My intention is to strike fear and confusion into the mind, soul, and yes, the heart. This is Fear from the Heartland. Hello, Heartlanders, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 10 of Fear from the Heartland. I'm your host, Paul J. McSorley. Hey, Heartlanders, you guys patrons yet? Visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to join the club. You'll get ad-free versions of this and all our other podcasts, including hundreds of standalone releases from our audio archives dating back to 2012. It's a great way to show your support, and you get a whole lot for it. I would like to take a quick moment and do a shout-out to two of the coolest dudes in the voiceover biz, Jeff Sturdivant and Drew Blood. I don't think I'll get into too much trouble claiming we are all friends. Not too much. In addition to Drew Blood's Dark Tales, which you can find on pretty much any streaming platform, Drew also has a new Patreon podcast at patreon.com forward slash Drew Blood. He and Jeff will meet up every couple of weeks or so and discuss stuff. The other weeks they don't meet up, Drew airs additional stories. Even had me on there a couple of times. I have a one minute clip of the two of them discussing tonight's author. Take a listen. David's a good dude, man. He's another guy I'd like to get on the phone. Montano? Yeah, well, we technically did try to get him on the phone the one time, but I, notice, uh, we should... You uh, notice how I'm saying his name, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Montano. We got to figure it out. The big teal day. You know what bothers me? I'm going to tell you something that bothers me. Yeah. I hate it when people call jalapenos jalapenos. Well, who the hell says that? Well, believe it or not, I had an old foreman at the last job I worked at. He used to say... Yeah, I really like them jalapenos. <laughs> oh, forget it. So that's basically what we sounded like calling him Montano. We were my fault. <laughs> <laughs> he probably wanted to slap the shit out of us. Well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> did I ever call him Montano? I don't think so. Yeah, we did that first because time when he called me at the restaurant. Did, did oh really? <laughs> I'm sorry, David. God damn, <laughs> I'm so sorry for that. Check this out, Drew. I'm going to get this right the first time. We learn about a crazy Russian lady in tonight's tale by DJ Montano. Ah, damn it, God! Montano. Ah, hell. Let's get after it. Katerina is just your everyday run-of-the-mill Russian serial killer trying to eke out a living as a tattoo artist. Slade plays guitar for a low-level band when he's not waiting tables to keep the lights on. 
Add a grease monkey lover boy and a restless spirit, and things are bound to go sideways. And now for your indulgence, Tortured Ink by DJ Montano. Chapter 1 Katarina awoke to the sound of police sirens blaring as they approached. Were they finally here for her? Had they tied the rash of missing people to her? Would SWAT teams kick in the doors to the old First Methodist Church? Her stomach settled as the police car flew past her tattoo studio. The old adobe facade on the old Spanish mission-style building had seen better days. The once white building was now beige from years of dirt and scorching sun. A small felt sign gave proof the building's worshipping days were long past. Two words stood against the black felt. Tortured ink. Katarina stretched and felt refreshed, ready for the day. The late nights had taken a toll on her, but it was a hobby of passion. How could people say something as beautiful and intimate as murder was terrible or monstrous? Katarina loved seeing the dying light in their eyes fade to black. Mikhail, the werewolf Popkov, had understood her passion. Her idol was rotting in Russia's worst prison for 56 murder convictions. No one understands us, she thought. She strode into the bathroom and undressed. Katarina had thrown the bloody coveralls from the prior night in the corner. She made a mental note that she would need to buy some new ones and burn those before her next hunting session. She stood in the hot shower, letting the water and events of the previous night wash over her. Both felt good to her. She would love to stop time, if only for a moment. To stay in the steam and mist in the memory for an hour or two would be heaven. Life beckoned, and it was time to prep for her day. Katarina exited the small tub and wrapped herself in a towel. Her damp interwoven mane hung careless and strewn about. She dressed herself in the former priest's quarters that made up the back third of the church. A small kitchenette just off the bathroom door held a small fridge, table, and chairs. She felt like a giant with her slender six-foot figure. She was constantly ducking the ceiling fan in the center of the small room. God had not graced her with many curbs. Most people presumed she was Asian as opposed to the Serbian region she was born and raised in. Katarina threw her hair in a ponytail, pulled on some skinny jeans, and threw on a white t-shirt. She slipped on some latex gloves to prep her ink for today's appointments. She opened the door and entered the main room of the church. The landing where the altar once sat now held a tattooing chair and a padded table. Kat had painted all the interior walls over with a flat black paint that sucked all the natural light out of the room. Katarina had pushed the former altar against the back wall to use as a prep table. The original organ sat in the far right corner collecting dust. Katarina painted it a glossy black with blood red drips down the side to add to the ambiance. Tortured Ink developed a small but stable client base off of word of mouth. Mainly, they consisted of skinny white kids who thought they were super hardcore because they listened to Avenged Sevenfold or Rancid. They always rolled into her shop as goth as they could. Katarina had two rules for her clients, be on time and be willing to submit to the design she had drawn. Most were okay with this, 
because she charged much less than other tattoo artists and she always tattooed a brutal or graphic image of pain. Faces of people contorted in rich agony. Her work was so realistic, some swore they heard screams of pain. One person claimed they saw a tear roll down the face while she was tattooing the image. Katerina brushed the ridiculous notion away and scolded them to remain still. With four appointments today, Kat got to make four special batches of black and red ink. Kat worked exclusively with these colors. Pain and torment could be expressed simply and thoroughly in all the subtle shades of these two colors. Kat hung 8 by 10 pictures on the walls as evidence of her work. More than a couple times, some 18-year-old punk dude or goth chick would point at one and remark loud enough to echo, I want this one. Kat would simply reply in a thick Russian accent, All my work is originals. I don't do request this. You can take what I've prepared for you or you go. Some left, most didn't. The customers always rattled on about this tat was going to make people think they were a badass and to stay away from them. That they weren't someone to be fucked with, as the skinny boys would put it. Cat always ignored them and just gave agreeable grunts or nods. She entered something like a trance when she worked. Lost in the face, she recalled the feel of the warm blood spatter cooling on her face. Her knife-piercing skin then gliding effortlessly between a victim's ribs, slipping her garrote around her prey's neck and squeezing while eyes bulged and arteries hammered against the metal cable. The entire experience was orgasmic. Nighttime. Darkness. That was something she had come to love during the winters in Siberia, for the inhabitants of this land constantly walked the knife edge between living and freezing to death. The Reaper was a close companion in her youth. Katerina recalled hearing about friends who had succumbed to hunger, hunting in the nearby wood for rabbits, squirts, or, if extremely lucky, a deer. She would find children frozen to death who had lost their way. The motherland knows who is strong and worthy. She has ways of removing those who are not, her papa had told her as a young girl. She never pitied these children, just considered them unworthy and walked on. Bang, bang, bang. The pounding shook Katerina out of her preparation trance on the wooden front doors. She looked quizzically. Her first appointment wasn't for another hour. Who is banging on my door like this? Katerina yelled as she approached the door. Push moi! Use the damn police! She unlocked the deadbolt and cracked the door. Hey, baby, how's my kitty cat? Through the cracked door stood a lanky guy with disheveled, dirty blonde hair, a Fu Manchu, and grease stained navy blue coveralls. A patch on his right breast read Snag Apart. Another on the right read John. What happened last night, little Russian nesting doll? He said, placing a hand on the door. Cat let the door drift open a bit to allow a full view of her face. I'm sorry I could not make it to the bar last night. I came down with terrible migraine last night. She said as she shivered at the pet names. Really? I got a notification from my security cams after showed you by my office door. What you gotta say about that, babe? A wolfish grin bloomed across John's face as he leaned into the door, trying to ease it open more. 
It came by to tell you I wasn't going to make it, but you had gone, she said, fighting back against him, trying to weasel his way in. I wanted to call, but I can't seem to locate my phone. That's okay, Dalface. I wanted to make sure you were okay. I wish you'd move out of the area. This is a real shit neighborhood. Why you say this? Your junkyard is only a block and a half away. Plus, I have big, powerful men like Gura I'll be fine, she said, giving a playful wink. Now, I have preparations to make for clients today. I will meet you at bar tonight. Katerina moved to close the door. An oil-stained brown boot shot into the gap between the doors. How about I come in and keep you company until your clients show up? John flashed a cheesy smile. Thank you, but no. I work alone when preparing my Inca. It helps me to focus. Katerina said in her best stern yet flirty voice. I'll meet you at the bar tonight. I promise, she said, batting her eyes. John's eyes remained locked on Katerina's face, his grin plastered in place. An uncomfortable silence stretched as he waited for her to yield. She didn't. It's probably for the best anyways. Car crusher at the junkyard collapsed again last night. If that damn machine keeps screwing up my morning coffee and crushing, I'm gonna have to junk it. He slowly retracted his foot and gave a nod. Have a good day, baby, he said and drove off in his tow truck. What an asshole, she huffed as she headed back to her ink table. Pfft, like I need a man to take care of me. That douchebag, he wouldn't last five minutes in Mother Russia. Chapter 2 Katerina grabbed a bottle of vodka from her mixing station and threw back two large gulps. She set the bottle down, satisfied with the warm sensation blooming in her chest. She took several deep breaths as she looked at the four faces of anguish she had prepared for today. Why don't people understand routines and rituals? The slender serial killer looked up at a poster of Mikhail. If only there were more that were enlightened at you and I, she said as she finished her preparations. The first three customers were the standard goth wannabes. Two of them cried the very second after turning down the numbing cream. Katerina informed them they were not allowed to come back after they paid. I don't tolerate weakness. I'll not waste my talents on sniveling worms. Now get out of my sight. She stewed as she prepped for the next customer, praying it would not be more of the same. Hello? Is this tortured ink? Rich baritone echoed through the church. Cat looked up to see a man in his mid-twenties, shaved head with aquamarine eyes. She looked him up and down twice before she realized it. That is what this sign says? Cat quipped sarcastically. Yeah, I know. I was just trying to find a polite way to break the ice. He snapped back. Her self-satisfied expression quickly dropped to a displeased nonplussed stare. I guess we can just skip the pleasantries and get down to the ink, huh? The young man said, walking over. The man completely captivated Katerina with a confident glow about him. She couldn't understand why. His acid-washed jeans, 
black v-neck and flip-flops were all utterly plain. Your name's Slade, right? Her voice came out more annoyed than she had intended. It is, he said. I'll show you the image. You tell me where you want it, she said, shifting back to her normal, flat, authoritative tone. Slade stepped over to the table where she had prepped everything. The visage of a woman in agony was so realistic he could almost hear her scream. And that was just the outline. Looks good. You got skills, he said, trying not to sound overly impressed. He had a feeling she didn't take compliments well. Of course, this I know. Now, where do you want it? She said, her voice flippant. And there it is, right on cue. Slade thought and gave a condescending smirk. Why are people so easy to read and how do they not realize it? His train of thought chugged along. A high-pitched whistle snapped him back to reality. I... I don't have all day. I need payment and placement. Katerina stood, arms folded and brow furrowed. Sure. Slade shrugged and pulled out a wad of cash. Throw it on my left forearm, he said as he handed over the money. Sit, she barked. She flipped through the bills and shoved them in her bra, satisfied it was all there. After a few minutes of setting up, the familiar buzz of the tattooing pen filled the air. Slade absorbed the initial bite of the needle stabbing into his flesh and then settled into the rhythm as Katerina traced over the drawing. He laid his head back and closed his eyes, soaking in the sweet rush of endorphins. The hum of the pen working on his arm soothed him like white noise. He felt the pressure, but it felt distant or muted, like a dream. Slade would take a tattoo over a massage any day, he recalled after his second piece was complete. Hey, putty boy, wake up. A sharp female voice sliced through a moment of inner peace. Slade roused groggily, looking for the voice's source. He found her over at the ink table, her back facing him. So you think I'm putty, huh? Slade said with a smirk. That's not really an adjective people use to describe me often, but I'll take it. He said, looking his arm over. The work was incredible. Shadows and highlights juxtaposed against each other to give it a level of depth rarely seen. It was joke, smartass. Here, she said, turning and tossing a small bottle of aquaphor. Be sure to keep moist. Don't want you ruining my work. Her eyes clung to his broad chest and rippling abs barely hidden by his muscle shirt. Her eyes met his and she spun back around. Hmm, maybe it wasn't as much of a joke as you thought. Slade said, pulling his shirt on. He examined his arm again. The work really was impeccable. Hell, the tears on her face looked authentic enough to wipe. Any moment now, time would unfreeze and the weightless look of the hair would fall. But it didn't. You need to go. It is already past time, Katerina said as she ripped her gloves off with a pop. I have somewhere to be. Now, go, I said. Her cheeks flushed as she caught him staring at her. She hoped he would make some excuse to stay. No problem. Thank you for the amazing artwork. No shit. It's the best piece on me, he said and meant it. Katerina smiled warmly and gave a nod. With a smile and a wave, Slade turned and walked out. She stared at the closed door for a long moment and wished it was Slade instead of John at the bar. What are you doing, Katerina? It's just a stupid American boy. She threw her hair up, grabbed her purse, and left for her date.
Chapter 3 Slade opened the door to his tiny one-bedroom apartment and dumped his keys in a bowl on a shelf. It was a glorified rat cage with just enough room to hold a love seat and a twin bed. He popped leftovers from last night's shift at Chevy's Mexican restaurant in the microwave when his phone buzzed in his pocket. Hey Maeve, what's up? Slade said, watching his dinner spin in the yellow light of the nuke box. Hey, you're never gonna believe it, Maeve said, sounding like the Energizer bunny on crack. Ezra's here with me. Say hi, Ezra. Hey, Slade, Ezra started. Ezra said he got us a gig tomorrow night. Isn't that awesome, big bro? The little drummer said. It's at some little dive bar in Mesa, but it's a paying gig. This ain't gonna be like last time, is it? Slade sighed. We're not gonna get paid with a crappy burger and some cheap beer, are we? He said, grabbing his plate with a dish towel and setting it on the counter to cool. No way, big bro. It ain't even like that, Maeve said before Ezra could get a word in. Maeve. Slade's voice was firm, like a brick wall. She immediately piped down. Although they weren't blood siblings, the term of endearment had always been both good and bad. Slade loved that she viewed him like an older brother, but his mind would always flash back to the little girl with a busted lip being felt up by her actual big brother. Slade broke the kid's nose and threatened to shatter his hands with a hammer if he touched her again. No, man, it's not even like that, Ezra said. They sent me a contract with our pay on it, man. Come on, man, have some faith in me. Ezra's voice was so mellow it was hard not to be soothed by it. All right, shoot me the address and I'll see you tomorrow, Slade said and scooped Spanish rice into his mouth. Awesome, see you there, big bro. Maeve squealed as she hung up. Setting his phone down, Slade finished his food and headed over to the couch. Slade tossed his phone on the counter, taking a seat on the couch and flipping on the TV. He clicked through a couple channels until he came across Kurt Russell slapping Billy Bob Thornton and throwing him out of the Oriental in Tombstone. He spent the next hour watching Wyatt and Doc deliver some vengeance. After soaking up his favorite western, Slade showered and climbed into bed. It felt like he was out before he hit the pillow. He could feel the burlap cloth over his eyes. Sharp bolts of pain lanced through his abdomen repeatedly like a red-hot poker skewered him. Warm tears streamed down his face, unable to stop the stabbing pain. His hands felt bound behind his back with metallic wire. Fear gripped him by the throat. A gut-wrenching scream started low and distant as if carried on the wind. The volume and intensity increased, foreshadowing the incoming storm. Slade tried covering his ears, but the bindings held firm, digging deep into his wrists. All at once the torrent was upon him, shrieks of agony that encircled him. The screams of terror tore at him with all the fury of a tornado. He squeezed his eyes tight, sure his mind would shatter any second. Slade's eyes burst open. His chest heaved as he sucked in a giant breath. Sweat coated his whole body while he looked around and rubbed his wrists. What in the actual fuck was that? Abrasions marred his wrists sent several points of pain dotted his abdomen. After he checked the door and grabbed a glass of water, he climbed back into bed, closed his eyes, and tried to settle himself. With eyes closed, he saw the face twisted in pain yet lifeless. A scream echoed off in the distance. Nope, screw that. I'm not doing that again, 
Slade said, sitting bolt upright. The guitar. A woman's voice breathed in his ear. He shrank away from the sound, but there was nothing there. Play the guitar. The voice said again from somewhere inside him. Slade stood and grabbed his guitar posted up against the wall by the bedroom door and slipped the strap over his head. He found his favorite spot on the couch and took a seat on the edge. He plucked each string and adjusted till they hummed their respective note. Slade closed his eyes and felt a presence wash over him like warm water. His fingers moved through the chords instinctively from A minor to F to C, then back to F. The tune was soft and slow like a lullaby. The song felt haunting, yet soothed by some deep ache in his soul he wasn't aware existed. He was sure he had never heard, let alone played the tune, but couldn't help being drawn into the melody. Sing me to sleep, sing me to sleep. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. A voice echoed in his mind, harmonizing with the tune. The song is called Asleep by Emily Browning. It's one of my favorites, the voice said. What the hell is going on? Who are you? He said as he scanned for the source of the voice. My name is Isla, and when I was alive, I was a musician just like you. He could hear the smile in her voice. What do you mean when you were alive? Why are you haunting me? Slade's voice trembled. Well, Slade, that face locked in anguish on your arm, that's my face. He looked down to see a tear form in the corner of Isla's eye and roll off his arm. The woman that gave you that tattoo, she mixed my blood into the ink after she murdered me, Isla said. Of all the people she has tattooed me on, you're the only one who has hurt me. How the hell is this even possible? This is some messed up shit, he said, staring down at Isla's face. So, the dreams I've been having and the screaming I keep hearing, that's you being murdered? He asked, stunned by the insanity of it. He could practically feel her nod. Yes, that vortex of angst and fear you felt, that is everything I felt as her knife plunged into me over and over. She threw me in the back of a car loaded into the big crusher thing, stabbed me a dozen times, and collected some of my blood before crushing me to death. Jesus Christ, he said, rubbing his eyes with his palms. I knew she seemed like a bitch, but I didn't think she was a killer. It's worse than that. I don't really know how to explain it, but when she was stabbing me, I saw each person she has killed. Each face plastered in my mind for a split second. It's over two dozen already. And unless we take care of her... Wait, what do you mean, take care of her? You mean kill her? Slade's eyes went wide as he cut Isla off mid-sentence. No, I meant we should give her massages and serve her Mai Tais on a tropical beach somewhere. Of course I mean kill her, damn it. Isla's voice reverberated in Slade's mind. This bitch kidnapped and stabbed me a dozen times and crushed me in the trunk of a car. Give me one good reason we shouldn't murder her ass. Slade could feel her rage coursing through his veins. I don't want to go to jail for the rest of my life. How's that for a good reason? His voice pleaded for her to be rational. 
I have already shown you I can take control of your body. I'd rather not have to, but one way or another, I'm killing Katarina. Chapter 4 Soft sunlight filled the room through white curtains. Katarina opened her eyes to find John across from her snoring, drool dripping down the side of his face. She pulled back in disgust. He is so gross, she thought as she rolled out of bed trying not to wake him. The bed springs gave a light squeal as she stood, but he slept like the dead. If it weren't for the junkyard, I would have killed you already, she mumbled as she headed for the shower. Katarina scrubbed vigorously, trying to remove his stench from her skin. She toweled off in a hurry, wanting to be out of his apartment before he came to. As she slid her clothes on, the memory of the night flashed back, picturing Slade as her lover instead of this douche. She bent down to grab her sandals by his nightstand, and a hand ran up her inner thigh and over her butt. Katarina practically shot through the ceiling. You weren't trying to slip by without saying bye, were you? John said, a toothy grin exposing his yellowing teeth. Of course not. Why would you think this? She said and flashed a flirtatious smile while she batted her eyelashes. You know I have customers that will arrive soon. I must prepare my Inca. Well, allow me to give you a ride, my little Russian nesting doll. John said as he threw the covers off. Her skin crawled as the words oozed out of his mouth. It's quite all right. I called an Uber before the shower. A text tone blared from her phone. Oh, it has arrived. Have a good day, she said, trying desperately to hold back her disdain for him. I hope you have a great day too. Ah, and hey, can you please come by the junkyard tonight? John said, rushing behind her as she made for the door. Perhaps I will see how I feel later, Katerina said, not slowing. There is something important I want to show you. I think you'll be very interested in why the crusher has been malfunctioning. A grin spread across his face. Katerina paused for a half step, then plowed ahead. Fine, I'll be by later, she said, climbing into the Uber. Katerina arrived at the church, changed, and immediately started in on her ink ritual. Aggravated that she had to rush her blood selection process, she decided on a vial labeled David F., a Weasley-looking man in his 50s with Coke bottle glasses and a whiny nasal voice. Cat wanted to kill him the second he opened his mouth. After the ink was mixed, she drew three outlines for the day's tattoos, recalling every rich detail of the torture before the light in his eyes extinguished for good. The three appointments for the day went off uneventfully. Katarina was cleaning up and wondering if John had in fact figured it out. Would he have to be next? Would she have to relocate again to find a new disposal site? A man burst into the church with a loud bang as the wooden door hit the wall and startled Cat out of her train of thought. What the hell did you do to me, lady? The 22-year-old mohawked emo yelled as he gripped his face with one hand. Shut up, damn it! Just shut up for a minute and let me talk! He mumbled. I don't know what you are talking about, but I am close for the day. Now, come, you must go, she said, and attempted to drive this crazy person out of her church. The screaming never ends! It never fucking ends! 
the man screamed, eyes bulged wide like a feral animal. It started the night I got my tattoo. I could see the face of the woman on my shoulder and feel her pain. God, there's so much pain. What did you do to this poor woman? The man said, his eyes boring straight into her. What are you talking about? There is no poor woman. I make the desire for your tattoo for my head that morning. Cat ignored the crazed man's claims of screaming. Now it is time you must go. Leave and do not return. She said. Her voice was firm and sharp. The door creaked open again and Slade stepped inside. Katarina's eyes lit up and blood flooded her face at the sight of him. She was a real person. Her name was Tabitha. She won't stop screaming. I just wanted to stop. Someone has to make it stop, the man said as he broke down. Tears fell from his cheeks. Slade looked at Kat. What's going on here? What up with him? His voice sent a ripple of pleasure through her body. She regained her composure and walked towards them. I think he has suffered a mental break or something. He keeps going on about a woman screaming and is blaming my artwork. Sheesh, as if artwork could do that, she scoffed. My art looks so real. He has manifested this story of a woman that doesn't exist. I've asked him to leave, but he refuses. Kat tried looking as delicate and helpless as she could in hopes Slade would remove the man for her. I see. Well, that does sound insane. Who would imagine getting tattooed, then hearing a screaming woman? Slade looked down at the man on his knees, sobbing. Come on, buddy. The lady asked you to leave. Let's not have to get the cops involved, he said, genuinely feeling for him. Slade helped lift him to his feet and turned him towards the doors. She's no lady, the man said as he shuffled towards the door. She's the devil. That's what she is, the man said in a hollow tone. His head hung low as Slade guided him out. Go get some rest, man. Everything will be okay, Slade said and gave a wave as the man wandered off down the street. Bouge moi. Thank you so much. I was worried he was going to attack me. Katarina said, batting her eyelashes. Hmm, your tone sure has changed since you rushed me out yesterday. What could be different, I wonder? Slade said as he gave a quizzical look. I am very sorry for my behavior yesterday. I'm working on my... on my... how do you say... customer service skills? She said with a smile. So, are you here because... Some woman is screaming in your head too? She said with a sarcastic chuckle. No, no, nothing like that. He said and returned a warm smile. I just misplaced the lotion you gave me to keep the tattoo moisturized. I was hoping you might have an extra bottle of it lying around. Of course I have some over here. In fact, it looks dry. I will put some on. Come, come sit down. She said patting the tattooing chair. Katarina's heart raced like it hadn't before. She felt a tingling anxiousness she had never experienced. She spread the lotion in her hands and applied it to his arm with a delicate expertise. Butterflies flew wildly in her stomach as his skin met hers. What? What is this I feel? She wondered. So, what do you got going on tonight? Slade asked as she worked on his arm. Well, I have to stop by the junkyard the block over to speak with a friend. 
but I'm free after that. There's a little bar close if you have time to get the drink, Kat said, trying not to blush. Sure, I've got time to kill, Slade said with a smile. Chapter 5 Slade stood out in front of the converted church as Katerina finished changing. I can't believe this fell into our lap this easily, Slade whispered. Well, she has the hots for you, so let's use that to blindside her. Isla's voice sounded like it was coming from an invisible headphone. Katerina stepped out, locked up, and the two headed down the street. The pair made awkward small talk as they walked the block or so to the junkyard. They arrived as the sun dipped below the horizon, casting an orange glow on everything. Well, well, I was just about to lock up. I just figured you weren't coming, John said as he flashed that cheesy grin of his. Look, you even brought a guest. Who is this? He said, turning his attention to Slade. He is customer I worked on yesterday. He also helped with insane customer just a moment ago, Katerina said, trying to sound aloof. His name is... She let the moment stretch and feigned forgetting. Hello, my name is Slade. Nice to meet you, he said and reached for a handshake. John, good to meet you too, he said, filling in the pause for his name. Thanks for helping my girl. I appreciate it, John said clamping down on the handshake with extra force. Slade just matched the pressure with a nonchalant look. How about we step inside and close the gate so I don't get any last-minute customers? They all stepped in and John slid the gate home, looped the heavy-duty chain, and then padlocked it together. So you two are together, huh? Slade said as they walked deeper into the compound. Well, Katerina started. Our relationship is much like Icarus in the sun, John said with a chuckle. Every time I get close, my wings melt and I come crashing back down to earth. But I pick myself up, dust off, reform my wings, and try again. After all, who wouldn't want a star as their better half? John said, smiling. Slade could tell he genuinely meant it. This poor sap was clueless about what kind of monster he was in love with. Well now, who says perseverance and chivalry are dead? Slade said to Katerina and gave an eyebrow raise. I like to think of myself as an old soul, the stand-by-your-love type of person. Speaking of that, I asked the Katerina over to show her something. I hate to be a rude host, but do you mind hanging out here till we get back? John asked as he took her hand and interlocked their fingers. Of course not. We'll just have a seat on the bench right here, Slade said as he took a seat. Chapter 6 John and Katerina navigated the corridors of cars until they arrived at the car crusher. I'm so happy you came by. I've been looking forward to this all day, John said as he turned to face Kat and took both of her hands in his. So what is it you wanted to show me? she said, trying to make her voice flirty. She couldn't help looking around, trying to find any evidence she may have left. You know, my little Russian nesting doll, I have really enjoyed our time together. I know we've had our ups and downs, but I've always felt a deep connection, like kindred spirits. 
cat's skin crawled as she held his hands, he absolutely revolted her. Sometimes I think we are too different, like we are from two different worlds, she said and hoped he would get the hint. I know, but I will do anything to bridge the gap between the two worlds. John stared into her eyes and lowered himself down on one knee. Katarina, will you marry me? He said, pulling out a ring. His eyes went misty and his breath seized with anticipation. Kat stood there surrounded by literal trash with a man in tattered coveralls she despised on one knee. His eyes stared up at her expectantly as he waited for his answer. John, she started. It's okay, Kat. I know why you are so distant and so scared to get close to me. He said as he stood up. He held the ring box in his left hand and dug into his pocket with his right. John pulled out his phone and opened the security system app. Katarina looked down to see a black and white video of herself shoving a body into the trunk of the car loaded in the crusher. Once clear of the crusher, she pressed the button to start the giant anvil's descent to meld the body and her victim into one. Now before you say anything, please understand this isn't me threatening you. John said as he tucked the phone back in his pocket. Yay? So, what about this then? It looks like a lot like I marry you or you turn me in. A storm gathered in her eyes. Black clouds and lightning raged, full of her fury. Her visage morphed into something akin to a she-wolf, ready to rip the jugular out of her prey. John took a half-step back as every alarm in his body screamed. Katarina, darling! I showed you the video so you would know your secret is safe with me. I love you, Cat, and I'll do whatever I can to help you. You can stuff as many people into trunks and smash them as your heart desires. I see you for you, Katarina, and I love you. He stood before his beloved, ready to accept her decision, even if it meant his death. Chapter 7 what in the actual fuck is wrong with you people? A voice echoed from around the corner. Slade stepped out from behind a stack of junked cars. Katarina and John both looked at him like he had caught them in the middle of having sex. Oh, hey, Slade. I was just showing Cat why the car crusher here has been failing at night. John said as he shoved the ring back in his pocket. Yeah, sure you were. Must have been someone else I heard profess their love by agreeing to help murder people. Slade said as he walked forward toward the pair. Push more. I swear it's not what you think. Kat said in a light and innocent tone. So, you don't bring people here to torture and murder, then crush their bodies? You don't get pleasure out of choking the shit out of them? How about stabbing them over and over until the light fades from their eyes? Slade's words cut the night air like cold steel. Where would you get an idea like that? Katarina said. Do I really look like I can overpower anyone? Kat batted her eyelashes as she looked herself over. John slowly moved between Slade and Katarina, eyes locked on the threat in front of them. Don't bother, Katarina. He'll never understand you like I do. He can't see the beauty in what you do. He knows too much. We can't let him leave here alive. John stood with muscles coiled and ready to strike. Shut up, John. Slade just saved me from that nut job. 
He wouldn't do anything, she said and searched his face in hopes of being right. <laughs> you two are the insane ones, Slade said as he continued to walk towards them. There are over two dozen bodies smashed into cars somewhere inside this yard. His eyes locked in on cats. Isla has been telling me all about it. I have felt her pain and suffering. Slade's voice cut out. We are here to put an end to your killing spree. Isla's voice said from Slade's mouth. The blood drained from Katerina's face and her jaw fell open. John's eyes went wide. How is that even possible? John stuttered. Slade pulled a survival knife from his pocket and flipped it open. He lunged at John and slashed. The knife sliced into his right forearm as he staggered backwards. The knife left a vermilion streak in its wake as Slade pushed John aside and set his sights on Katerina. He thrust the blade towards her abdomen and missed as she sidestepped him with the grace of a bullfighter. Slade nearly tumbled head over feet as he blew by Cat. He spun around and moved like a big cat stalking an antelope. Cat's eyes lost all emotion and filled with black storm clouds again. You know, it didn't have to be this way, Slade. Her voice was frigid and empty. The only reason you're trying to kill me is because of that mousy little bitch Isla. She's not even worth the breath she's wasting to talk to you. Yellow light gleamed off her eyes from one of the yard lights and gave the appearance they were glowing. She slowly backed away with each step he took towards her. Without realizing it, he had backed her up against the crusher. John lunged at Slade from the ground and pulled a flathead screwdriver out of his pocket. He had sharpened the tip of the tool to a knife edge. Slade rolled his shoulder at the last second and felt the makeshift dagger lacerate his flesh. White hot pain lanced through him and he almost dropped his own blade. After he adjusted his grip, Slade backhanded John across the face. John spun with the force of the hit and circled around behind Slade and licked his lips like a hungry animal. As he stood, he gripped his slashed forearm and gritted his teeth against the pain. Both men's eyes were wide, watching each other for any sign of the next attack. Pain exploded in Slade's right leg. His knee buckled as he fell to his back. Katarina stood over him, a lead pipe gripped tight in her hands. John pounced on top of his wounded prey. A steel-toed boot stomped on his wrist and forced the knife free, then perched on Slade's chest. John took the screwdriver and slid it into the shoulder slash. As he twisted and wrenched it around, his smile grew wide and maniacal. He delighted in every ounce of pain he inflicted. Quick, smear some of your blood into his cut. Isla's scream echoed in Slade's head. What? What? He stuttered in return through his agony. Damn it, just do it. I have an idea, but you have to hurry before they get tired of toying with you. Isla retorted. Slade reached to his shoulder with his free hand, coating it with as much blood as possible. John grabbed Slade's wrist to pull it away, and before he knew it, Slade slipped free and was in the grip of his prey. Slade's hand clamped down on John's wounded forearm and squeezed. Ow, oh, that hurts, you asshole! Let go, goddammit! John gritted through his teeth. He worked the screwdriver like the shifter to a stick shift transmission. Okay, Isla, I did it. Now what? Slade shouted. John and Katarina looked at each other bewildered for a second, then laughed out loud. What can some vague dead girl do for you? Katarina said with a toothy grin. Don't worry, I'll take it from here. 
a feminine voice said, and John's head whipped around frantically trying to find its source. The screwdriver slowly slid out of Slade's arm and John looked down, astonished. I won't let you hurt my friend anymore. Isla's voice returned. Who the hell is that? Where's it coming from? John yelled as he watched his hand twist the screwdriver tip towards his own eye. I have mixed with your blood. There is no part of you I cannot reach. Give in and your end will be quick. Your will is nothing compared to my soul's cry for vengeance. Slade lay on the ground and watched the point inch closer and closer to John's eyeball. His arm trembled under the strain as tears streamed from his eyes. Who are you? John screamed. My name is Isla, and I am your end. John's free hand grabbed the back of the screwdriver and drove the steel spear into his eye socket. With a sickening, squelchy crunch, the screwdriver broke through his skull and plunged into his brain. John crumpled like a puppet, getting its strings cut. Slade noticed that Katarina was frozen in shock. He pulled his legs in and uncoiled every ounce of strength he could muster at Kat's midsection. The dual kick hit her like a battering ram and she staggered back quickly, desperate to catch herself. She caught the lip of the crusher instead and smacked her head off the car bumper loaded in it. Slade jumped to his feet and limped over as crashing waves of pain exploded from his injured knee. Katarina attempted to sit up, woozy and bloodied. Quick, Slade, mix your blood with her cut. Without a second thought, he wiped fresh blood on her open wound and stepped back. He watched intently for any sign that Isla was in control. After a couple of painfully long seconds, Katarina sat bolt upright. She picked herself up and walked to the back of the car and opened the trunk. Hold on now, Isla. Perhaps we should talk about this. Katarina's voice quivered as she looked down at the empty trunk. She strained against Isla's control, slowing their progress. I know that I did was wrong. I shouldn't have killed you. Tears streamed on her face as her right leg stepped into the trunk in slow motion. So now that your life is on the line, now you realize you shouldn't kill people. Now you see the error of your ways. Screw you, Katarina. Isla said as she forced the other foot in. Look, Isla. You don't want to do this. You're not a killer. Plus, you don't want to relive this experience again, do you? Katerina begged. You think this will make me relive the horrible way I died? I'm reliving that sequence over and over all the time. Doing this? Hearing your screams as the metal around you presses in on you until your bones snap like toothpicks? The experience of your fear consuming you as you fight back against the inevitable... Your symphony of agony will be a sweet lullaby to my soul, and I will rest in peace. Katarina's hand gripped the top of the trunk lid. Kirsla, stop! You don't have to do this. Her murderous passenger cut Katarina's plea off. Slade! Isla shouted through Kat and startled the young man as he gripped his lacerated shoulder. Yeah, Isla! He replied, though he already knew what she would say. They had discussed the details of the plan several times back at his apartment. Once I close this, hit the button. I want her to know how her victims felt just before they died, Isla said, 
and yanked the trunk and slipped Katerina's arm out of the way quickly. Slade! The trunk slammed shut and locked, cutting off Kat's scream. Frantic screams and panicked pounding came from the inside of the rear compartment. Slade lowered his head and blocked out the cries of desperation coming from the car. He stood at the control panel and turned on the power. A low hum filled the air and a green light illumined. With the push of a button, the hydraulic press began its descent. Do you hear that, cat? That's the sound of your death inching closer and closer. Isla's voice echoed in her head as she laughed. A loud metallic crunch sounded as the press made contact with the roof of the car. Katarina screamed and thrashed against her surrounding. Three loud pops resounded like gunshots as the tires blew out. No, 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 no. This isn't real. I'm at home in my bed, Katarina said, trying to slow her racing heart. Can you feel the thousands of pounds of pressure bearing down on us? It doesn't get any realer than this, you sadistic bitch. Katarina could practically hear the ear-to-ear smile in Isla's voice. Glass exploded as the A-frames gave way. Katarina pounded against the trunk lid. Each strike, each strike followed by a hollow thud, thud, thud. Her next punch felt like she punched the ice of the frozen lake near her childhood home. Why? Why is this happening to me? Katarina whimpered. Because you are weak, Isla hissed. Because you are too scared to trust anyone. Katarina could feel her space collapsing. She pushed with all her strength, but it was like a fly pushing against a brick. She screamed in terror and turned her face as it got closer. Her elbows wedged between the bottom and the top deck lid. Cat felt her bones flex under the pressure as pain blazed in her arms like ribbons of fire. A pair of snaps like dry twigs, followed by a dagger of pain, shot through her as her arms shattered. All she could do was lay there and scream as her metal coffin crushed her bones and smashed her organs. The last thing she heard was Isla's deafening, crazed laughter. He could hear muffled screams outside until her skull fractured with a sickening pop. Slade had no idea how he heard it over the crunching metal. He supposed he was hearing it through Isla somehow. The metal press finally came to a rest. Silence filled the air. Is it done? Slade mumbled. Yes, it is finally done. My agony is over and my soul can now rest in peace, Isla said with a tremendous sigh of relief. Thank you, Slade. I will always watch over you. With one final deep breath, Isla's spirit left Slade. He looked down at her tattoo and he could swear it looked more like a battle cry now than agony. Slade's phone rang and shattered the silence. Yeah, Maeve, what's up? He said as he hit the speakerphone button. Where are you? We're supposed to play in 20 minutes, Maeve said in her overexcited tone. Yeah, about that. I can't play tonight. What? Why? Maeve said. It's a long story. Just meet me at the hospital and I'll explain, Slade said as he hung up. Slade left the junkyard and moved two days later. He would often stare at Isla's face and hope to hear her voice just one more time.
hope you enjoyed tonight's tale, Tortured Ink by DJ Montano. DJ Montano began writing in 2019. He fell in love with horror stories from the classic scary stories told in the Dark Book series. Horror games like Silent Hill and Resident Evil fueled his love for being freaked out. Through the suggestion of his wife, he found writing and enjoys picking the dark and twisted corners of his brain for others' pleasure. He has multiple stories published on the Chilling Tales Network and is working on his first short story collection. If you enjoyed tonight's story, hosted by yours truly, Paul J. McSorley, you can search my name on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for additional previous stories. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks. Available now on audible.com or just visit paulsbooks.net. That's P-A-U-L-S-B-O-O-K-S.net. You can also find me personally on Facebook and Twitter. And with that, listeners, our weekly journey into the psyche has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And while you're at it, please remember to stop by our Apple Podcast page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and subscribe. The charts are based on subscriptions, not listens. So if you haven't subscribed yet, I'd really appreciate it. I'm your host for Fear from the Heartland, Paul J. McSorley. I've enjoyed the titillation tonight. Ooh, there's that word again. Thank you for joining me. Hope to see you again next week at Fear from the Heartland.